Friends, welcome to This Week in the Way of Jesus, a podcast hosted by the 8th Street Church. We are a spiritual community of hope and transformation that is trying to live this way of Jesus. You'll find both weekly spiritual practices and weekly sermons on this podcast feed. For more information about the 8th Street Church, please visit our website, www.8thstreetchurch.org, or social media pages linked in the show notes. Friends, I wanted to introduce to you and welcome my friend, Reverend Dr. Jared Rowles, who prepares to preach here at the 8th Street Church. Dr. Rowles is currently the president of Nazarene Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, but has also been a district superintendent, which is like a bishop in the Church of the Nazarene, and he's been a pastor. I've known Jared for over 20 years, and he was on the committee that gave me my first district minister's license when I was a young pastor in Kansas City. Jaron will be with us this week and next week. Because today is Pentecost Sunday and next week is Trinity Sunday, I wanted a pastor theologian to preach. However, Jaron is so much more than a pastor theologian. He's the husband of Starla. He's a father, a grandfather, a friend, a mentor, an author, and a teacher. And this, I will also say this about him. His spirit of compassion, kindness, generosity, and love for God and the church is rivaled only by Jesus himself. I've always been inspired by Jaron's preaching, as I know you will be as well. So please be a good neighbor and welcome my friend, Dr. Jaron Rowell, as he prepares to preach to us today. Well, thank you. Greetings to you in the name of the Lord. I'm really glad to hear Chris say those things about me on video because he'd never say that about me if he were here in person, I don't think. Hi, Pastor. It's good to see you. What a privilege for Starla and me to be here. It's first time to be in your church, although I've known about it and heard about it for a long time. In fact, I remember hearing about it when it was just a dream. And so what a delight to be able to be in this space and what a beautiful space that the Lord has given to you. In fact, it's, I, I, it strikes me as very formative in itself. Do you know that about spaces? They form us, our homes, our places we go for all kinds of things, our worship spaces, they, they shape us and form us. And just as I came in this morning, I was just sitting looking at your space, I just noticed what these beautiful windows teach. Have you ever thought about those? Have you talked about that? I don't know. That, so here we get the first preachers of the gospel, the women preachers. God knew that they would get it right and not be afraid. And then we get the best preachers, the children. As Jesus says, let the children come to me because this is what the kingdom of heaven is all about. And then we get the recipients of the gospel the first recipients of the gospel, the marginalized, the shepherds, the people who think they don't belong. Well, if you don't like the sermon today, just let that <laughs> preach, and that'll be really good. Well, as has been noted a few times already, and that's really good, today is Pentecost Sunday in the rhythm of the Christian year. It's a really significant and important day for us. So I'd like to invite our attention in the scriptures to the text that the church hands us for this day. It's the book of Acts, chapter 2. We're just going to hear the story. Acts, chapter 2, 
the first 12 verses. I'm not sure what your custom is, but I'll invite you. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Samples. <laughs> Hear the word of the Lord. On the day of Pentecost, seven weeks after Jesus' resurrection, the believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm in the skies above them, and it filled the house where they were meeting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. Godly Jews from many nations were living in Jerusalem at that time, and when they heard the sound, they came running to see what it was all about. They were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were beside themselves with wonder. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking the languages of the lands where we were born. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the areas of Libya towards Cyrene, Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, Arab, Arabians, we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things that God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. This is the word of God for the people of God, we can say together. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Ten days can be a long time. Like when you're waiting to go on that dream vacation, ten days can seem like an eternity. Ten days can also go by really quickly. Like when you're on the dream vacation, <laughs> and it just seems like it's going by very, very quickly. Well, 10 days prior to Pentecost, these disciples had been with the risen Jesus. After 40 days of encountering the resurrected Christ, these people were believers, no doubt about it. But then when, when Jesus ascended right before their eyes, he left them just as he said he was going to do. At that moment, they said to Jesus, Lord, is now the time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Is this the big moment? Is this the big thing? By the way, do you know why the ascension of Jesus is theologically significant? We, we celebrate Ascension Day in the Christian calendar although we don't seem in our space to give too much attention to it. Um, Starla and I were actually were in Germany last week. It was, it was a week ago Thursday. That was Ascension Day. And we, were in, we happened to be in Germany where it's a national holiday. So we ate Wiener Schnitzel. I don't know if that's what you're supposed to do on Ascension Day, but that's, that's what we did. But, but what Ascension Day says, it, just as we confess it, in the Apostles' Creed, it says that Jesus ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and from there he will come to judge the living and the dead. In other words, Jesus is the Lord and the King. 
This is good news, friends. In a world where there's a lot of other principalities and powers that are trying to seek our worship and allegiance. So anyway, on that day, the disciples said to Jesus, so is, is, is this the moment? Are you now going to restore the kingdom to Israel? See, they, they still didn't really get it. They didn't really understand what his kingship was about. They were still imagining, you know, make Israel great again. But Jesus told them just to wait. He said, wait. He didn't say how long. He said, just wait in Jerusalem. Wait for the gift that my father promised. Now, you and I know it was 10 days, but they didn't know. I think about those 10 days. Think about those 120 or so followers of Jesus gathered in somebody's upstairs room prior to Pentecost, just praying and waiting for God to do something. Many of them had staked their lives on all of this, on the life and teaching of Jesus. They believed him to be the Messiah, but those hopes had, you remember the story, those hopes had been crushed barely 50 days ago when Jesus was crucified. But then, resurrection. And the past 40 days have been amazing. But as great as all that experience was, I can just imagine them asking, well, what, what now? We're sitting here waiting for something. Where's this going to leave me? I've risked a lot here. And with those kinds of questions, no doubt pressing in on them, I just can imagine the tension among these 120 followers of Jesus waiting, waiting waiting on the edge of a miracle. Our scripture lesson for this morning is it's the account of that miracle. It's the miracle of Pentecost because as we heard it, as they were praying and waiting together, suddenly there are these, this, this violent rushing wind, the tongues of fire, the speaking of languages that they hadn't learned. What an exhilarating, almost frightening, I think, moment it must have been for them because they knew. See, they got it. They understood these symbols that they were experiencing. These are signs of the divine presence. They knew God was showing up. Something was happening. The, the wind, a sign of power. The fire, a sign of purity. The, the tongues for the purpose of proclamation. And so on this day called Pentecost that they would never forget, they became touched and filled with the very presence of Christ himself. That's what God wanted to do all along. God had always wanted our relationship with him to be so much more than just some rituals that we go through every week or some doctrines that we believe in. God has always wanted to be in us, <laughs> with us, to take up residence in our hearts, to restore us to his original desire of who he created us to be. There's a, there's a great story in the Old Testament uh, when the people of Israel are on their journey out of Egypt and uh, out of slavery into the promised land. 
long and difficult journey. And the people, of course, as if you know that story, they were wont to do, grumbling and complaining. That's kind of was their middle name. And Moses is the leader, and he's just about had it. And so, you know, uh, no matter how God helps them, uh, these, and no matter what God provides for them, these folk find a way to, to gripe about it. Well, in, uh, in the book of Numbers, chapter 11, God has provided manna, which literally translates, what in the world is this? <laughs> it's kind of what it means. Manna for them to eat in the desert, but, and it sustained them. It kept them alive. They don't want manna now. They've tired of this, so now they, they want meat. So they're calling for meat, and so God says, okay, meat it is. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you so much meat in a month's time that it's going to come spewing out of your nostrils, and you'll loathe it. How's that for a nice picture on a Sunday morning, huh? Ready for lunch? And, and Moses is mad at God because God's going to give them what they want. And he says, Moses says, God, don't you know, these, for these people, this will just never be enough. I mean, he's just ready. Moses just ready to wash his hands of the whole bunch. But that's when he says something that I think goes to the very heart of what God really wants to do for his people. I think it still goes to the heart of what God wants to do for his people. Because Moses says to Joshua, oh, I wish, I wish all of the Lord's people were prophets, and I wish that the Lord would put his spirit on all of them. What's he wishing for? That, that our faith would just go would go from just head to heart. That that religion would go from just duty to passion. That spirituality would go from just kind of one part of my life to the very breath of my life, who I am. It, it's, it's what the prophet Jeremiah longs for when he preaches the word of the Lord saying, I will make a new covenant with my people. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I'll be their God and they will be my people. Or, or it's what the prophet Joel predicts when he says, in the last days, God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh, on all people. And, and Peter actually quotes that passage a little bit later here in this Pentecost Day sermon, Acts chapter 2. You see what's going on? God, by the Holy Spirit, wants to take up residence in us. To live in us, to fill us, to empower us. For what? To empower us, listen, here it is. Empower us to live the life of Jesus in this world. You believe that? That God could actually help us? Us! <laughs> Live the very life of Jesus in this world? See, this isn't just about God trying to kind of button us up and clean us up and make us nice good boys and girls so that we can get on in the world and behave well and he can be proud of us. And that's 
This is about enabling us actually to be the body of Christ. But that's not all that God wants to do, and it's not all this story is about, because uh, the presence and work of the Spirit, it is intensely personal. God wants to do this for each of us, every one of us, personally, of course. It's personal, but it's not private. See, in Acts chapter 2, in fact, really, the whole book of Acts, it makes it clear that the purpose of the Spirit was to empower the church to bear witness to empower us together. Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. And that's the very first things we very first thing we see that these believers do when they are filled with the Holy Spirit, they hit the streets of Jerusalem. They hit the streets and start proclaiming, sharing this good news and as we hear in the story there are people from all over the world as far as they knew, all over the world who were in Jerusalem at that point hearing the gospel. So the Holy Spirit does come to comfort. Yes, that's often how we think about that, isn't it? To comfort us, to teach us, to bring peace to us. That's true. But the very first gift given by the Holy Spirit is the gift of witness. The Spirit gives us the courage and the power to bear witness to the good news of who Jesus is to the world. So the whole story of Pentecost is not just a story about how the Holy Spirit wants to come to sanctify us, to fill us, to, to make us all that God wants us to be. I mean, that's, it's all true, of course, but it's really a story about how God by the Spirit wants to enable us to to be the kind of people as the body of Christ who will cause the world to say, what is it with you? What do you know? Or who do you know <laughs> that would cause you to live like this, to engage like this, to listen like this, to love like this? As a church, 8th Street Church, the church, we need to live in the power of proclamation. That's what the Spirit, as we celebrate Pentecost today, is meaning to do in us and through us. If we fail in our mission as a church, it won't be because of a lack of ministries. It won't be a lack of leadership. It won't be a lack of finances. It won't be a lack of marketing. It won't be because we didn't get the music styles right. <laughs> if we fail, it'll be a failure to allow the Spirit to move us and empower us to be proclaimers of the gospel to our world. And it's why we must make sure that as we live our life together as the people of God, home, your voice that it looks and acts and sounds like Jesus. I don't think it's just me. Have you noticed these days too often 
the church looks and acts and sounds like an anxious and angry world. The gift of Pentecost is inviting us to something completely different than that. Life-giving, hopeful, peace-filled in the midst of all that anxiety. And so in order to live there, we just need to keep inviting the Spirit to do what the Spirit did for these believers in in Acts chapter 2 because we don't even turn the page here before we hear that the church is living this out. They're living together. They're devoting themselves to the study of the Scriptures, to fellowship, to worship, to prayer. They brought resources together so that they could meet physical needs of their community. I mean, clearly something is happening among them that just couldn't be explained in any other way than in the words of that desire that Moses and the people before him had proclaimed. Apparently, God had placed his very spirit in their hearts. (laughs) And the proof positive was, and we hear it later in Acts 2, the Lord was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. Would you agree that the, church of the, that the church of Jesus Christ, maybe especially in our context, is in deep need of renewal these days? How will that happen? Well, I submit to us that it will not happen through power, or fear, or complacency. I love the way a friend and a fine Wesley scholar put it when he said, the church that truly yearns for renewal will commit herself to one thing above all else. She will invite the Holy Spirit to come. And she will do so continuously until the Spirit shows up. She will do so at the outset of every worship service, staff meeting, educational offering, in every other phase of her life, her constant prayer will be, come, Holy Spirit. In the congregation where Starla and I worship most weeks, we say that together every week. Come, Holy Spirit. Should we say it? We ought to just say it. Say it with me. Come, Holy Spirit. No, don't say it with me. Pray it with me. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. My prayer for us these days, us, the church, is really pretty simple. I think I just find myself resonating more and more and more with the cry of Moses. Oh, Lord, I wish you'd just pour out your spirit on all your people. The thing is, Christ has done that. The Spirit of God is present and available to fill our hearts and empower our lives to really make a difference. The thing that makes us a church is not all of our activity, our program, all of that. What makes us a church is not just that we decided to get together on a Sunday morning. We are a church as we are gathered, empowered, and sent by the very Spirit of Christ. But let me make it personal again as we close. 
because it is personal. Have you ever experienced a Pentecost moment in your own life? There really is a gift here for us. A gift that comes to us in the surrender and open, full open surrender of our lives to the Lordship of Jesus. A gift by which God, by the Holy Spirit, can do a really significant, tangible work in us of cleansing, of empowering, of freeing, of enabling, of drawing us and sending us to, as we sometimes say, be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. It doesn't just happen by accident. It doesn't happen by default. There is some intentionality around this. So on a Pentecost Sunday, it seems like it might be an okay time to actually, each of us individually as well as together, to actually really pray, come Holy Spirit. And to live, if that's true, that you and I are being sent to actually live the life of Jesus in this world, we might say, who's equal to the task? Who could actually do that? And the truth is, we're not, of our own ability, equal to the task. But here's good news today. Grace has been given. And a lavish table of grace has been set for us. To come, in in a sense, if you can think of it this way, to come running (laughs) to the table of grace. Say, oh, that your spirit might be poured out on us, that we could actually be, each of us and all of us together, the presence of Jesus in the as we prepare to come to the table, let's pray together. Gracious God, thank you for the beautiful gift and invitation that you're extending to us today. Guide us, open us, and help us by your mercy and grace to receive all that you have for us in this moment. In the name of Christ. And so, friends, we respond to the good word that we have heard today. And even here, we do not come on our own accord, but we come responding to the Spirit's invitation to us. And it was at this table where we received the body and blood of Jesus who was broken and poured out so that we might become that which we receive, broken and poured out, Spirit-filled for the sake of the world. So it was at dinner on the night before Jesus was betrayed by those he came to save that he took the bread and he broke it and saying, this is my body, which is broken for you. Whenever you eat it, remember me. Then in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink this, do so in affectionate remembrance of me. So anyone who recognizes their need for grace is welcome to this table. So in a moment, I invite you to come down the center aisle with your cups, with your hands cupped, ready to receive that which is good and that which comes from God. Listen to what these servers have to say. You'll place the bread in your hand and you'll dip it in the cup. Be thankful. If you have any troubles coming down the aisle, you can wave at our friend Macy and she'll be happy to come serve you the elements. So friends, I invite you to come to this table. Thank you.
Friends, each week we invite our congregation to respond to what they've heard by entering into a weekly spiritual practice. You can find the episode to the practice and enter into this way of Jesus in the podcast feed. May the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you wherever you go.